Anders enjoyed my formula of a zero down deal breakdown on Excel and wanted to know if I could do one about distressed businesses. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the broadcast podcast YouTube channel where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things. I talk to interesting people and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like, be sure to hit subscribe and let's get to it. So I've, I've prepared a spreadsheet here. I'm going to share it with you guys up on, uh, up on the screen. The, um, and I'll read it for those who are who are listening. But um, basically, I went back to the the Wayne Co example that I used in that other video, uh, formula of the zero down by a business deal. And um, on the screen, I've got the YouTube links, but it's just notes for me. Just look in the show notes down below, or we'll have them linked, you know, floating here on the screen uh, if you're watching on YouTube. So. Anders, uh, in response to that video, put a comment. He said, great stuff, David. So tired of these no money down clowns feeding off people's desire for a free lunch. Me too. I feel your pain. Would be great to see another breakdown like this, perhaps for a distressed business. Cheers. And then he, he went on to ask, you know, maybe you've done some other videos. And I have. And so I'm going to comment on some of the other videos and how they relate to what I'm going to go across here. Um, of note, for example, last spring, I did a video called What If the Business Owes More Than It's Worth? Which, which is an interesting one that talks about a business that's been doing poorly and has accumulated a bunch of debt. But what we're going to look at today is we're going to kind of take debt away. We're not going to make debt part of this conversation. We're going to be focused on the income statement or P&L. And we're going to talk about a business with respect to its profitability um, and whether or not it's making money and what that might mean for somebody who wants to do a deal to buy one of these businesses and what it looks like, again, from the perspective of the three different parties, the buyer, the seller, and the banker. And so over here on the on Excel, I've got scenario number one, which I'm calling the job trap. So in the previous Wayne Co. example, we had a business that had an EBITDA of 200 grand. It was making good money. In this case, we've got an EBITDA of negative 100. And so I've had to introduce another element of cash flow, seller's discretionary earnings, because a lot of the times, these small businesses that are typically owner operated, they don't sell for multiples of EBITDA, they sell for multiples of seller's discretionary earnings. And so if our SDE is positive, we are still able to have some kind of cash flow based valuation by looking at comparatives in the industry, looking at other businesses. So I'm going to put in here that the SDE is 74.9, which means that this business owner uh, operates the business every day, they have the manager's job, they have $74,900 a year with which to cover the following. Number one, take money home for themselves, pay any taxes that are due on the, on the money that's being earned, uh, any finance costs, but we're assuming that this business has been long established, doesn't have any debts or anything, okay? So we're not really, we don't really have any finance costs. So more of the SDE is available for this owner to take home than it would be in the case of someone who's buying the business. And then we also have any kind of capital expenditures have to come out of the SDE as well. So any replacement of equipment and, and things of that nature, because it does originate from an EBITDA number, which adds back depreciation and amortization. So as we can see, this person, the seller is operating this business, they're bringing home money. And 
they believe that they have something of value because what do they do? They look at their equipment and inventory and their point of view is my stuff is worth half a million dollars. But if we applied, say, a 2.2 SDE multiplier to that cash flow, we come up with 164,780, which means that the value of the cash flow doesn't substantiate the investment in the material, equipment, et cetera. And you're going to find a lot of businesses out there that fall into this category. There's a few terms that I have for businesses like this that we're going to get into in the next couple of scenarios. But basically, in this case, a buyer is going to say the cash flow doesn't justify the investment. And if a buyer, you know, did agree to buy this for the value of the stuff, the, the replacement value, let's say, and they said, I'm going to buy, you know, the equipment for 400 grand and I'll buy your inventory for hundred, the banker's going to ask, where will the money come from for the payments? Because if the track record shows a seller's discretionary earnings of 74.9, debt service principal and interest has to come out of that 74.9. So if you were to do a half million dollar loan, like I didn't do the amortization table, but if you're going to do a half million dollar loan, you're talking about, you know, almost all the SDE going to debt service. So what are you going to live on? And so that's why I've called this one the job trap, because there are a lot of small businesses out there which really aren't much more than a job for their owner. And the owner doesn't know that they have a problem. It's as far as they're concerned, they're operating their business every day and they're making money, they're bringing money home. And maybe times were more prosperous in a bygone era and that's how they accumulated all of these assets. But I run across businesses like this all the time, uh, especially in smaller communities or businesses that have been multi-generational where huge investments were made a long time ago in plant and equipment that is still functional today. And um, maybe you can do something with this business but you're not going to be able to do, you know, sort of a normal acquisition, get a loan, do some financing. This is going to involve something a little more creative and it's going to need a buyer who knows that they can fix it in some way, which means if you're going to be bringing resources to the table to fix it, it means that on top of acquiring the equipment and inventory, you're probably going to need an even further investment, which makes this even less attractive as far as somebody doing a deal to buy. And so I know that Anders asked this question because in that original video formula of the zero down buy a business deal, I was talking about a good profitable business and how it would be hard to put a, a deal together with nothing down. What I'm talking and, and this idea floats around that if there's something wrong with the business, then maybe it's going to be available at a bargain that maybe then it's easier to do a deal without the cash flow. It can be even harder to do a deal. So Let's look at the next scenario. The scenario number two, uh, where the earnings are even lower. Okay, so in, so now we we're, we're doing even poor, more poorly at Wayneco. Um, now we have an EBITDA of negative seventy five one hundred, and the SDE is negative one hundred. So now, the owner of this business knows that they have a problem because they're working hard every day and they're not taking any money home. And they're probably juggling different things and they're trying to extend their payables further into the future. And they're trying to collect their receivables more quickly. They're juggling cash and the business isn't even providing for them. So in this situation, the seller knows that the business is a liability. They know that they have a problem and that they need out. So we typically think of a business being an asset 
And an asset does what? It puts money in your pocket. It provides for you. Uh, a liability does not. In this case, somebody's also subsidizing this entity uh, to the tune of a full-time labor being done for free without compensation. So, um, oh, and, and under scenario number one, there's a video you might want to check out called Dead Capital in a Business and Buying a Job. I'll link these all in the show notes. So under this scenario number two, the recognized liability you know, what does a buyer say? The buyer says, well, this business needs a complete overhaul. It probably needs to be completely reorganized. It, there's something very wrong with either how the business is being executed or the products and services being offered or the way that you try to get customers or, or what have you. So is it really a business? Like, you know, it, it means radical change. Um, the seller is still insistent that his stuff is worth 500 grand, right? And I've seen this many, many, many times. Uh, the banker, when they look at a deal to buy this stuff, uh, the banker just says, go see an auctioneer, right? Because there is no way that any kind of demonstrated case can be made for this business um, to be able to repay the money that's borrowed. So um, I put a note here because I, I did a video interview with Robert Gale, who, who has bought over 20 distressed businesses over the course of his career. And so he comes in and looks at scenarios like this and he says, you know, what can I do with it? How can I change it? How can I see things of value that other people don't see? But he's not, you know, running over to the bank to get a loan to, to borrow money based on the performance of the business. I recently did an evaluation for someone for an auto repair business. And this is the type of scenario that I came up with. I showed them after normalization that they really were working for free. They were volunteering in their business they wanted to try to sell the business and my advice to them was actually to close the business entirely and to then try to sell the equipment to someone who could then honestly go to the bank and say they were starting a new business and getting a good deal on the equipment because if your business is performing this poorly you do not want the banker to know like the buyer doesn't want the banker to know that there's a track record of that business there and to see what those numbers really are. You're better off going in with your blue sky ambitious plan for the future about how you're going to open a new business and you just happen to be getting a good deal on this equipment and inventory to get things started uh, and let like don't look at the gremlin behind the curtain kind of thing. So that's scenario number two, recognize liability. Scenario number three love this term, is a true zombie business, okay? And so in this scenario, Wayne Co. is now performing even more poorly. So we now have an EBITDA of negative 135,100 a year. The SDE is negative 60,000. So no measure of cash flow uh, is going to be able to provide any kind of value here. This is a money loser. But in this iteration of Wayne Co., Wayne Co. owns the building that it's in. And so in the previous iterations, they were renting space, paying about 60 grand a year. This is what I'm dreaming up. In this third scenario, they own the building, so they don't have to pay rent. And so what's able to happen is that even though the SDE is negative, the owner's still taking home money because there's no rent expense on Wayne Co.'s income statement. They're not paying out rent to anyone. They own the building. So when I come along and I do a normalization, I say, you know, we have to separate the value of the building from the value of the business. 
And the way that we do that is by introducing a fair market rent expense so that we can analyze the true economic performance of the business. In this case, what we find is that, you know, and again, these businesses are out there. I did a video a few years ago called Why Aren't Millennials Buying Main Street Businesses, which you may want to check out. And then I did a follow-up one, I believe in 2019 or 2020 called Discovering Dead Capital in a Zombie Business. This is a true case of a bunch of money being invested in the form of capital, equipment, real estate in this case, being invested in a business and not getting any kind of rate of return on any of it. And in fact, in this case, the real estate's value, the capital invested in the real estate is subsidizing a money losing business. And in a lot of cases, the owners of these businesses don't even know. So from the buyer's perspective, they're looking at this going, this is a complete disaster. There's nothing here of any value at all. So the buyer is asking, can I get a pre-auction pricing on some of these assets I might want to pick up in order again to start my own business from scratch? I don't want the banker to know that this business existed, that he might ask to see the financials, right? The seller is still saying, I've got stuff worth half a million and a building, right? And the banker says, close this business and sell the building, go see the auctioneer, right? Because the banker can see that there's no value here. So in this scenario, again, we're not even talking about selling a business. We're talking about selling stuff because the way that the, you know, if you take my course, my online course, Business Buyer Advantage, which you can learn about, I sometimes forget it's my job here to, to tell you guys about stuff that you should sign up for. So businessbuyeradvantage.com, if you take my course, one of the things in the course is that I teach people what exactly a business is. It's a place where three different things function together to create a cash flow. And if you don't have a cash flow in my books, it's not a business, it's something else. It's an entity of some sort. So here we have an entity of some sort where people are busy every day uh, losing money. And um, all you can do is pick over the bones, right? So to think that it's possible, you know, if you say, well, David, if you can't do a no money deal in a realistic fashion for a business with a good cash flow, maybe you can get a no money deal on a business like this. Well, what you, the first thing is you have to understand is that number one, you're not really buying a business, you're buying stuff. You're buying stuff to help you start your own new business which means that you need to look at it like a startup. You are introducing an element of risk. You may have customers, but if business performance is like this, there's something wrong. Either you have the wrong customers, they're not willing to pay the price that needs to be paid, or you've got something wrong with the staff, or you've got something wrong with the product or wrong with the location. There's, got, there's something wrong, right? So you have to start from the ground up and figure out how am I going to build this business? You're buying stuff and... So the way to buy the stuff is either to have a whole new business startup and convince a banker that you have a good idea for a new business and write a business plan that justifies a loan. And, and you're basically maybe getting a discount on stuff. So you're reducing a bit of risk that way, but you're doing a startup. You're not buying a business. And on top of what you are acquiring. So even if under any of these scenarios, the seller of Wayne Co was willing to do hundred percent seller financing, Acquiring the stuff is only the beginning of the investment. You then have to find all of the money and resources for the marketing, the, the setup, the promotion, all of the other stuff that it's going to take 
to get the business operating properly because you can't just keep doing what they've been doing because it's not working, right? And so to show up on day one with no money of your own, even if you got 100% seller financing in, in the form of a seller note, you're still going to have to figure out how you're going to cover the losses until you fix things, even if you can fix what's already there. So anyway, Anders, amazing question. Thank you so much. I've had a lot of fun doing this and, and pouring through some of my older videos. And uh, if you disagree with me, put a comment down below. More than happy to, uh, to discuss things further with people. And uh, if you want to find out the real way to buy a business while controlling risk, head on over to businessbuyeradvantage.com. Sign up there for my online course. I've had hundreds of students, uh, you know, people really do figure out how to buy a business there and you do not want to do it from an over leveraged or undercapitalized place. You want to have the proper resources to make sure that you can get through the different bumps in the road that will come for you. Because the reason why these small businesses sell for a relatively low multiple of their cash flow is because there's a ton of risk in small business. It's also the pathway to a ton of freedom and personal control in your life, which is why a lot of people want to do this. And there's nothing that can be leveraged to grow, you know, profitability like a business, which is also a reason why people do this. So there's pros, but there's danger. You don't want to exacerbate the danger by putting yourself in a shaky position. You want to have a foundation under yourself at all times. And with that, I'll say, see you later. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and the online courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out about how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, etc. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go out to Jeff Alpaw Customs for being my tailor. Men all around the world can look dangerous, just like me, with the help of Jeff Alpaw Customs. JeffAlpaw.com. Use the code DCB10 to save. They handle multiple currencies and ship anywhere you happen to be.